Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Scripture beginning with verse 3. Psalms 24 and verse 3. Simply ask a question Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? It's posing a challenge, a question, and then it gives qualifications. It tells us who stand in that holy place who can ascend to the heel of the Lord. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Who shall ascend to the heel of the Lord, who shall stand in his holy place. And I want to speak for the next few moments upon the subject, who shall ascend, who shall ascend. Let's pray that the Lord would help us here tonight. We want his help, his strength, his blessing upon the remainder of this service this evening. Would you pray with me? Pray fervently. God, I'm praying, Lord, that you would help us. In this service here tonight, you'd anoint, you'd bless, you'd speak to each and every heart that is here. Talk to us, God. We need you. We need your touch. We need the help of your strength and hand, your anointing, God, upon us. In Jesus' name, we're so thankful that we can turn to you in our times of need. You'll help us. I pray you'd help somebody through your word tonight. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Praise God. Who shall ascend? Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. I want to say emphatically here tonight that I believe that God is looking in these last days, searching to and fro, uh, scouring the earth for someone that he can use for his glory. I believe that the Bible says that there's people in the last days that shall know their God in the book of Daniel. And they shall do great exploits. I believe that God is no respecter of persons when it comes to that particular verse of Scripture. But I rather believe that God does want to use people in these last days. Uh, he is looking for people that He can bless. He's looking for people that He can anoint. And people that He can give revival to. And uh, as much as that goes for individuals, can I say that that also can be said for churches and groups of people that come together, the body of Christ. I believe that God is wanting to take people, His people, to a new level. He is looking for people that have the passion, that have the desire, that have the tenaciousness, the hunger, uh, 
that have the character, that have the fervency, so that he can elevate them and bless them and take them up higher. I do believe that there are spiritual exploits that we have not yet obtained and experienced. I do believe that there are spiritual heights that we have not explored as of yet. I do not believe for a moment that we've experienced as much as we have seen, as much as we have been a part of, and as much as God has done in our past, uh, not only for us uh, here locally, but for the church as a whole, because we're connected to the body of Christ. We're connected even back to that first century church. Aren't you thankful that our roots don't just go back a couple of generations? It doesn't just go back to a man that, that supposedly got a revelation in the 1800s. Or it doesn't just go back a few hundred years, but it goes all the way back to the book of Acts. We can trace it right back to the origin of the church in Acts chapter 2 in the very first century, uh, the church of 33 A.D. That is the church that you and I are part of. And so every victory, every miracle, every great revival that they experienced, by extension, we also celebrated. And we know that it is a part of our past. It's a part of our testimony. And because God has done it before, we know and have faith that He can do it again. But I simply want to say here tonight that I believe that there is more miracles. I don't believe that God's well has run dry. I believe that there's more signs and wonders. And if that terminology makes you nervous, you need to read the Bible because the Bible talks about signs and wonders. Now, I told you Sunday night we don't need to be a follower of signs and wonders, but signs and wonders should follow us is what the Bible says. These signs shall follow them that believe. I believe that we have no way near seen all the souls that God wants to fill with the Holy Ghost. I believe that there is more revival for the church to be experienced. Uh, but let me be clear. Amen. Let me, let me help you tonight to understand that while there is greater miracles and greater works of healing and wonderful things that God wants to do, that there is some qualifications to go to that high place. I want to experience the heights that God has for us. I, I want to go to every dimension that God has planned or called for us to go to as a church. I, I don't believe that, that God is limited. I believe that our hunger sometimes limits God. Or our lack of hunger, our lack of desire, our lack of thirst for Him. But my Bible says that the hungry shall be and will be filled. Amen. If you've got capacity to receive, if you've got a desire in your heart, God wants to fulfill that desire. So the lacking is not on God's part. Amen. We cannot blame God if we don't have revival. We cannot blame God if we don't see miracles. We cannot blame God if we do not see uh, the works of God manifest in our midst. We cannot point our finger at heaven and say the days of revival are over. That simply will not work. That's an excuse that's been taken away from us according to the Word of God. But uh, God is still working. 
God is still pouring it out. And matter of fact, our chances of having revival are greater now than they ever have been. Because the Bible said at evening time, there shall be light. It tells me that the latter rain shall be greater than the former. Amen. But we're talking about a time and a season of revival that God wants to give to His church. Praise the Lord. I don't know of one person in this place that doesn't want a deeper relationship with God, a greater relationship with God. I don't know of one person in this place that doesn't have needs in their life that you want God to minister to or you want to see a dimension of revival perhaps in your family or among friends or or perhaps on your job where you work. Amen. You want to see God move. Amen. And there's many in this congregation that you're ready to go to that high place. You really want to experience the next level. You want to reach a new height in God. And this scripture tells us that the invitation is not just for a few, but it seems like it's for everyone. He said, who who will ascend the hill of the Lord? And he goes on to say, who will ascend the hill of the Lord and who will stand in his holy place? In other words, he's saying, is there anybody that wants to go higher? Is there anybody that wants to experience a little greater touch of God, anointing of God, and blessing from the Lord? Is there anybody that wants to reach and, and wants to obtain greater blessings in God? Can I tell you that mountaintops provide extreme opportunities? Amen. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of, of being where there's some real mountains. I'm not just talking about hills. I'm talking about real mountains and, and, and drive up into those mountains. And, and the air is fresher and you can see further. Matter of fact, one of the opportunities that mountains provide for us is an unobstructed view. When you're down in the valley, everything obstructs your view. Everything hinders you from seeing very far. Uh, things are seen more clearly. Things are revealed to you on a mountaintop that you cannot experience or see anywhere else. In fact, we see this not only in the physical but we also see this in the spiritual. A lot of things in the natural that have a uh, perspective or, or they parallel rather with the Scripture. As we begin to read and study the Word of God, we'll see that there's a lot of natural things that also parallel with the spiritual. And one of them is the mountaintop. We see several occasions where the Lord called men up into a mountain because there was something that he wanted to reveal to them. There was something that he wanted to show them, something particular that maybe he wanted to give them revelation in. And so he called them apart. Mountains got a way of separating uh, people. Uh, the masses stay in the valleys. Uh, the multitudes stay in the valleys. And uh, it's, it's men of God and men that were called by God that were able to ascend into that holy hill with the Lord, as the psalmist is describing here. Men like Moses that God called from out among the people, and he called him up into the mountain. And it was there that he gave him a whole new way of making contact with him. 
He revealed to him a new way of worship. He revealed to him the tabernacle plan in the wilderness. And uh, he, he showed him how that the laws and the ordinances of God were going to be established in the nation of Israel. There was things that was revealed to Moses that had never been revealed to any other man and could I say have never been revealed to any other person besides Moses from that time. I mean, it was, it was wonderful revelation that he was showing him as he brought him up into the mountain. We find over in the New Testament that God, he dealt with three of his disciples. Jesus called them up into what we call the mountain of transfiguration. And there they were called out and separated from the rest. They ascended this mountain and the Lord revealed some things about himself to them that he had revealed to nobody else. They saw him in a way that nobody else saw him. There was things about the Lord that was shown to these three men that was not even shown to the other nine disciples. There was things about this experience. It was so, it, it had such an impact. It was so profound upon Peter, James, and John that one of them suggested, why don't we build three tabernacles? We, we saw Elijah and we saw Moses and, and we saw you transfigured here before our very eyes, revealing to us things that we have never seen before. Why don't we establish three tabernacles? It's good for us to be here. Let's just stay here in this place. Praise God. So there was things imparted to them, and they saw things on the mountaintop that they were not able to see at any other juncture of their life. They couldn't see those things in the valley. They couldn't see those things on the desert plain. But they had to ascend the mountain. Can I tell you that that in and of itself ought to tell us that we need to have high church. That we need to come into this place and be elevated spiritually. Amen. There's something about an apostolic church service when it's anointed. It lifts you out of carnal thinking. It lifts you out of the spirit of doubt and unbelief. It lifts you out uh, of just that, that carnal way uh, of reasoning things. It lifts you up into an arena and a place of faith and things is revealed to you. Can I tell you that when we have mountaintop kind of church, there's things that happen in this sanctuary that don't happen any other place in any other way. At any other time, there's something about an apostolic church service when the Word of God is going forth and it's preached and we receive from the Word of God. We're strengthened and we're lifted in the Word of the Lord. And uh, when that Word goes out and it finds its intended target, our heart, uh, and you, you know when it's, when it's made contact, you know when you're really engaging with the Word of God. Amen. It's like it just slips right into place and you know that the Word of God is speaking to you and there's things imparted through the preaching of the Word of God that cannot be imparted to you any other way. That's why I commend you for being here on a Wednesday night 
Because Wednesday night church is just as important as any other service of the week. Because there's things that are happening here in the spirit that are lifting us up. And we're able to see things that we would not see any other way. Our vision becomes clear in God by coming to this mountaintop. Amen. By ascending to this holy hill, if I could say it that way. By hearing the word of God. Amen. Our spirit is lifted. Our vision becomes more clear. We see what God's purpose is for our lives and for our church, for this body of people. We see, we see that there is a a mission that God has for us. There's a work that God has for us to do. Amen. There's something that He wants for my life. He wants it to have meaning. He wants it to have purpose. He wants to use me. He wants to anoint me. And the only way that I can see that is to be lifted up out of the multitude, lifted up out of the carnal things that are going on around me in this world. only way that I can see that and get that perspective is for God's Spirit to elevate me, to come into a worship service like this. Why, Why is it that we, we encourage worship? It's not because we're, we're trying to cheerlead you or... We get some kind of thrill out of people being excited. Uh, That doesn't do anything for us. Uh, Amen. But what it is is we're encouraging you to worship because when you begin to lift Jesus up, Jesus begins to lift you up. When you begin to worship God, he begins to pull you out of the quagmire. He begins to pull you out of that stale, stagnant place that you've been in. Amen. He begins to lift you up out of all the things, amen, that have tried to bog you down and get you stuck in this week. Amen. God lifts you up a little higher and you see things a little clearer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And he said it's not something that's just for a chosen few. It's not something that's just for a a special group of people. He said who shall ascend? I'm opening this up to everybody and anyone that is hungry, anybody that really wants to go there, anybody that really wants to experience it, I'm opening it up. Who shall ascend? If you're willing to climb, if you're willing to put the effort forward, If you're willing to do whatever it takes, you can get there. You can receive as much revelation as you want. You can see as much as my glory as you want. I'll let you see through eyes of faith as far as you want to see. The higher you go, the better you'll see what I'm able to do. Praise God. Praise God. Let me. Let me, let me connect the dots. You know, sometimes we can get in certain circumstances, and those circumstances by themselves are not conducive to faith. They're not conducive to us believing God. They're not conducive to us trusting the Lord that our prayers can be answered. When you're looking at that circumstance at street level, when you're looking at it and you're in the midst of it, It's hard to see that God is able to work in that particular situation because all you can see is the distractions. All you can see is all that's around you. You you can't see anything else. But often you've got to be lifted up out of that situation. And you've got to begin to see that there's 
areas that God's working in. Praise the Lord. It's like when you're involved. How many has ever been in, in a large metropolitan area and caught in traffic? I mean, it's a discouraging thing. And you're getting later and later for your appointment. Schedule's getting backed up. And the pressure is on. And uh, there's nothing and there's not a more helpless feeling than to be stopped, totally stagnated in traffic and not a thing you can do and know that there's a very important appointment. I can't tell you if I had a nickel for every time I've been stopped in Dallas traffic, I'd be a rich man tonight. Amen. I haven't figured out how long it takes to get that airport over there. I try my best not to use that airport. But uh, every once in a while you got to. And I got it figured out how far it is to DFW. And I got it figured out how far it is to Dallas Love. And there's nothing that I love about Dallas Love. But it is better than DFW because you got to drive a lot further to get to DFW. But I can think, man, we're making good time and get about rock wall and start across that lake there. And uh, all of a sudden the whole world shuts down. And I'm thinking to myself, why in the world did I start earlier? But you know what? When you finally get on that airplane and you're flying up above that situation and you look down and you see that traffic jam, you see all those red lights backed up, look like a red ribbon going through the middle of the city. Amen. Suddenly you get a different perspective and you're going places and you're not hindered by that. You're not stopped by that. We need the Lord to lift us up. We can get so bogged down in our thinking and get so distracted by frivolous things and petty things and that's all we can get in our minds. That's all we dwell on. That's all we think about. Uh, Amen. When God is saying, hey, I can take you up a little bit higher. I can show you things. Uh, I can reveal to you what you see right now is a big problem. It's not a big problem to me. Let me introduce you to my 747. Let me introduce you. Amen to my DCT. Let me show you that I can propel you over this circumstance. I can take you places a a lot quicker than you can get there on your own. You see, as long as we're struggling, as long as we're fighting it, as long as we're engaged in the problem, as long as we're trying to figure it out on our own and by ourselves, we can only get so far with it. We can only do so much. We're limited at best. But when we get on God's plan, when we get in God's place, oh, I want to ask you again, who will ascend unto the holy hill of the Lord? Who will stand in that holy place? It's not just for a select few. This is not just for preachers and, and potentates and bishops. Oh, this is for every saint of God that desires to go up higher as anybody that wants to go higher in the spirit tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Now you got to want to go there. I just want to tell you, it's not cheap to go there. It takes energy to go there. If you're lazy, you can't get there. It, it takes a lot of faith to get there. It takes a lot of investment to get there. I was reading about, I read a book, uh, I've read it a couple different times. Amen. A uh, book called Into Thin Air. Fascinating story. If you like reading those kinds of things about mountain adventures, 
fascinating story about a group of men from all over uh, the world, really, that uh, go over to uh, that area in Nepal or wherever it is that Mount Everest is. And uh, one of the men was actually from Dallas, Texas. He was a, he was a surgeon, and uh, uh, I think his name was either Beck or Becker, and he was a doctor over there. And these men came from all over. Many of them had tried many times, uh, more than once. And it cost, I think, at that particular time, and that's been many years ago, back in the mid-'90s, it, it cost something like over $50,000 to even attempt to climb up that mountain. And uh, it would take several months, uh, not only the advanced training that you'd have to go through before you would even be accepted on the excursion team, but even going up, I think, took something like two to three months. You would go up to a certain point that they call base camp, and you would live there basically for about two or three weeks, maybe 30 days, and your body would begin to acclimate because they said if they dropped you off, if there was some way for them to just uh, take you up and drop you off at the summit of Mount Everest, that you could only live seconds in that atmosphere if your body was not adjusted to it. And you want God to take you from sea level to Mount Everest spiritually, and you don't want to go through anything. You don't want to agonize and, and go through any metamorphosis of prayer and preparing yourself and qualifying yourself. You just you want to go there. You know, I've seen a lot of people, I want to be used to God at this level. Amen. If you, if you were dropped off on the top of that mountaintop, it would destroy you. You couldn't handle the atmospheric pressure and, and you couldn't handle the environment of living there. You could not survive there. That's why you got to go through some base camps and that's why sometimes the Lord tests our faith and our resolve. That's why sometimes there is trials and that's why sometimes we have to go through some men that were in impeccable shape. I mean, awesome athletes and men that had prepared themselves. Even when they got to those altitudes, their, their physical body began to do funny things. One of them had had LASIK surgery, and uh, I think it was the, the doctor here from Dallas uh, had LASIK surgery and, and uh, taking off the layers uh, off of his eye uh, when, when he got up in that pressure. You know how it is. You go through the Ozarks and your ears pop. Can you imagine getting to the top of Mount Everest? Be more than your ears popping. I promise you that. Amen. And his eyes began to blur and he couldn't see. But he wouldn't tell anybody because he had such a desire to ascend. And so he could only just see just a few feet in front of him. And uh, anyway, it's a, it's a long, arduous story of how that they got up there. Amen. And, and, and then the... The descent was more dangerous than the ascent. Amen. Going up was easier than coming back down because you got all the energy. You got all the, the desire and the drive to get to that point. But coming down, you're, you're wore out. Your body's physically spent, and it's still just as treacherous, and you're coming down in an incline, and it's slippery, and it's, and it's ice, and, and uh, there's crevices that are there in the ice, uh, uh, that, that, are, that, are, that are several, just like cliffs, several feet deep, just like canyons down into the ice. And, and they would put ladders over them and, and they would crawl over the top of them to get across those crevices uh, and, and to progress further. They had to come back the same way that they went up. 
praise the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, in a church, in a body of people, can I just tell you this? Uh, maybe we could grow up and understand this a little bit. And that is that there's, there's, there's going to be ebb and flow in any church. I'm going to let that sink in real good because a lot of people have a hard time understanding that. Amen. It seemed like there's a huge increase and then God begins to qualify what's there. God begins to work on what's there. Amen. Everybody that attends church is not in the church. Can you say amen? Everybody that says they're a part of the church, they're really not a part of the church. Everybody that says they're in are not committed to the church. And so when there's a shaking, the wind begins to blow and the storm comes. They find themselves... Amen. Falling by the wayside. We don't glory in that. I'm just telling you, for your sake, you need to understand that. Don't be discouraged. Don't, don't, don't think, well, what's wrong with me and what's wrong with us and what's wrong with this? I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they hop and go there and go over here. But I'm going to tell you, if you stay there long enough, there's going to be some of the same problems, same challenges, and same difficulties because we're all fighting the same devil. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'll tell you what you need to do when, when, when the shaking comes is hunker down. You need to drive some stakes. You need to make up your mind. I'm not going to be a part of the cold and the indifferent and the backsliding crowd. I'm going to be a part of the church uh, that is fervent and strong in the last days. Am I helping somebody tonight? I look around at saints of God in this church that's been here 30 years plus. You've seen some ebb and flow in your day. You've seen some heights and you've seen some lows. But every time we climb a little higher, amen, we, we may have to come down and descend a little bit, but we never descend as low as we were before. We're always climbing and getting higher and further and doing more and progressing and advancing in God. That's what it's all about. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so we have to realize, amen, that there might be some times that we're, we can't, you can't live on the top of Everest all the time. You can't build a house up there. There's no houses up there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Matter of fact, when men perish up there, a lot of times they just leave their bodies because there's no way to get them down. They're buried there beneath the snow. They made that choice. If we're going to go this high, there's dangers involved. It's not, it's not even a question at sea level. There's dangers there that you never encounter. You never encounter on flat ground. But can I tell you that not only is there some challenges in going higher, can I tell you it's deadly to stay in the valley too. Amen. Because there's creatures that live in the valley that don't live up there on the mountaintop. One of the beauties of the mountaintop is that you get up so high, there, there's, there's certain things that cannot live there. They cannot exist there. They're not found there. I, I remember uh, years ago, I think, uh, a brother came here and preached and he talked about being above the snake line and how that there was a, there was a line on the mountain somewhere that snakes wouldn't go any higher. Amen. I'd like to build a house just across that line. <laughs> Say praise the Lord from that one. Amen. I don't want to be where there's a lot of snakes and reptiles. I don't get along with anybody that wants to fool with all that stuff. 
Somebody said we're snake handlers. You ain't never met me. You're accusing us of being snake handlers. I'm, I'm, I start to say I'm as afraid as the next guy. I'm more afraid than the next guy of snakes. You heard some of my snake stories, and I promise you I wasn't looking for them when I found them. Sometimes you don't have to look for them. You get in the valley. You get in these lowlands, and, and that's where they live. That's where they're at. There's a tree line. There's certain species of plants that cannot grow above that particular line. When you get up there, there are certain things that threaten you down here. They don't threaten you anymore when you get up there. In the San Joaquin Valley of California, they have, that's one of the most fertile valleys that there is. But they have what is called valley fever. And even residents that have lived there for a long time can contract this when these tractors get to plowing up the ground. There's spores that gets loose in the air and it gets breathed into the sinuses and it causes an infection that is really indigenous to that valley. And it can cause problems and they call, call it valley fever. And, and the side effects of valley fever is, is depression, uh, sickness that is prolonged, people unexplainably uh, over a period of time, they lose their appetite, they're not able to eat, and they lose weight, and they get down real frail. And in some cases, the doctor has to look at them and say, the only way that you're going to get rid of this problem, the only way you're going to overcome, the only way you're going to get well is to leave this valley. You're going to have to move. You're going to have to get out of here. Because as long as you stay here, you're going to go down. You're, you're never going to be able to overcome that. We don't have an antibiotic. We don't have a medicine that is we could prescribe to you that's going to help you to overcome valley fever when it gets to this particular point. In many cases, they're able to help them to overcome it. But there's certain people that, that, that contract this, and it gets to be such a desperate situation that the only remedy is to move. Amen. Can I tell you that we living in the valley, we contract things. We contract attitudes. We, 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 get, we get spirit. Spirits, amen, that begin to hitchhike on us. We become carriers of certain things. Hallelujah. You live in a certain area, and uh, you're going you're to contract certain things. That's just the way it is. You live in Africa, and you're not inoculated against certain things. You're going to eventually, most all uh, the people that live in the remote areas of Africa, if they've not been inoculated from uh, uh, malaria, and the only way you can really uh, stay inoculated from it is to take the preventatives. And the preventatives, if you take them prolonged periods of time, are very unhealthy for you and your major organs. And they are destructive to your major organs. So uh, many of them are not able. They don't have access to that kind of medicine. And most of them are carriers of malaria. And once it gets in your blood, it's a parasite that will stay there. You can never give blood again in America once you've ever contracted uh, malaria. Amen. It's, it's, it's something that lays dormant there. And then you have bouts of it that come up. And it, it's a very uh, dreadful sickness. And it's known and indigenous to remote, dark areas of Africa. Can I tell you that there's things that you, when you stay at a low level spiritually, you become susceptible to. You don't keep your prayer life up here. You become susceptible to things that you would not normally be susceptible to. 
I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that inoculates you against temptation, that keeps you strong, that keeps you spiritually healthy like a daily prayer life. And I don't know how I could emphasize that. I guess I could stand on my head with this microphone and scream it again. But can I tell you, I've been preaching around here for 11 and a half years that if you don't have a daily prayer life, there's no way that you can possibly make it living for God. And I'm going to just tell you something else that's disturbing me to no end around here. And that is the cavalier attitude towards the house of God that I can come when I want to and stay home when I want to. I don't have to come to church. I don't have to be on time to church. I don't need the prayer room. I don't need to, I don't need to sacrifice any to come to the house of God. I don't care how much money you're making. It's not worth your soul. I don't care what kind of job you got. It's not worth your soul. Amen. You better make up your mind. We're living in the last days and it's a heaven or hell deal and I'm going to make up my mind to be a part of those that are caught up in the rapture of the church where the trumpet sounds. I'm not going to be somewhere else. I'm going to be living for God. I'm going to be fervent in the house of God. And you go ahead and tell them I'm putting the word out. If you're not faithful to church, I don't want you teaching Sunday school. I don't want you taking up the offering in this church. If you can't be faithful to the house of God, you don't need to do anything. You need to sit on that pew until you learn how to be faithful to the house of God. Amen. Praise God. We want a faithful group of people. We want people that are solid. Amen. They got their feet square. Amen. And they're living for God and they're serving the Lord with all of their heart. There's a lot of things you might be able to be casual about. The church is not one of them. Amen. You might be able to decide whether or not you want to be a part of the Thursday night domino group, but you can't can't be that cavalier about church. You, You might be able to check yes or no when it comes to other things and other hobbies, but when it comes to the house of God, this has got to be a priority. Come on, I'm preaching what we need tonight. Maybe not what we like, but what we need. I'm talking to some people that want to go up higher. I believe you're here tonight because you want to go up higher. I believe you're in the house of God tonight because you want to ascend to that holy hill. You want to see revival. You want to see a move of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. That's, that's why we've got to have high church. Somebody said, well, why the push? Man, why not just relax? Amen. I realize all of us are not as young as maybe we once used to be. Don't have the energy. That's why young people and young married couples need to be taking on that mantle of worship and prayer. Come on, young couples. Are you here tonight? Amen. Uh, How about it, young person? Are you in the house of the Lord tonight? Do you want to go up higher? If we want this church to be here 40 years from now, if the Lord comes, it's going to take dedicated people. It's going to take young couples that know how to pay their tithes. It's going to take young people that know how to worship God. It's going to take young people that know how to be faithful to the house of God. You can't build a church on lethargic, lazy, young couples. And we raised up a generation, it seemed like, that they don't want to do nothing for God unless they can get paid for it. Amen. Come on, you need to be engaged and involved in the work of the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That's where your salvation's at. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to go to a higher altitude in God. I can't insist on low faith. I can't get by on low commitment. Lower faithfulness. A low prayer life. Low worship. I've got to have some intensity in my life. Amen. You must climb higher. Who shall ascend? The invitation is for everyone. And then he says the qualification. He said, those that have clean hands. Those that have clean hands. Now, hands always speak of what we're involved in, the work we're doing. Clean hands. What we involve ourselves in. What, what we're engaged in. What we're doing. That's, that's what our hands are involved in. Praise God. Is it in discord? Is it... Uh, in backbiting? Is it in gossip session? Is it in focusing on the negative? Amen. Some people have such a negative mindset that's all they can focus on. There could be ten things going good around them and they can focus on the one negative thing that they see. I've told you before, I'll just tell you again, that, that I'm allergic to that. I can't hardly stand to be around that. Praise the Lord. You need to develop that kind of attitude. I can't, I'm not going to be one of those that sits around and talks about bad things all the time. What this one's doing and what that one's doing. You know what? This one and that one's been doing that for a long time. They're probably going to keep doing it. And you need to get your mouth off of them and get your mind on Jesus. And say, you know what? I'm going to focus on what God's doing. Come on. Why don't we talk about it? People getting the Holy Ghost and people being healed and miracles happening, ministry of the church going forward. And man, I like I like what I heard from that man of God. I, I appreciate the message that was preached uh, the other Sunday night. I appreciate the Sunday school lesson that I heard. I appreciate what I saw in the Word of God as I was reading it. You know, old timers, that's the way they used to talk. When they greet one another, it wasn't hey. It was praise the Lord. Man, I know that's foreign. I know that's foreign. We got this generation that has very little respect. It's hey. Hey. I'm like, are you talking to me? Hey? Really? Praise the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. We need to have respect. We need to have respect for holy things, godly things. Hallelujah. We need to greet one another because your, your voice and the things that you say and the things that you speak, just like I talked about on, on Sunday night, it releases faith. So it sets the tone of your conversation. You say, hey, what's up, dog? You start that thing on a negative foot. I get a picture. Now, since Chanel's got a chihuahua, that's what I get a picture of. Chihuahua's got an attitude, I'm telling you. It ain't big as a minute. It thinks it can whip a great dane. What's up, dog? Where'd that come from? Didn't find that in the Bible, I can tell you that. Hallelujah. Didn't find that in good etiquette either. Oh, no. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm not saying you've got you to have some kind of 
You know what I'm getting at. Anybody, you can take this and be sarcastic with it. If that's what, you know, that's what I'm after too, is that sarcastic little picking at spirit that's around here. You think you make fun, and you're always cutting with your remarks. There's something wrong with you. You're insecure. That's what it is. Amen. There's something wrong internally with you. If that's the way you've got to do everybody around you, you've got to cut at them. You've got to make some kind of remark that jabs them all the time. Amen. Praise the Lord. You've got to be a smart aleck all the time. Something wrong with that. Amen. There's something internally wrong with that. Are you so insecure that you can't be nice? You cannot be kind. You cannot be gentle. You cannot show the fruit of the Spirit. Come on, I'm talking about low-level conversation here. Amen. This is not a prison. This is, this is a church. Amen. This is a place of deliverance. Praise God. This is a place where miracles happen. We're not going to talk like we're a bunch of uh, prison inmates around here. We're talking like we're people that have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Boy, and since I'm off in it, I might as well just wait on in a little deeper. I feel like Ezekiel, come on into the water. Got in knee deep, I'm going waist deep. I'm going to get waters to swim in before it's over with. But it'd be all right to enunciate your words. Now, I don't understand that some of us, we got, including me, I get my, I get my tongue tied around my teeth more than anybody else probably. But it'd be all right. Not, you know... This just lazy way of talking. What's up? Hey man, boy, that'll get you a job. Hey man, be all right, hey man, to bring it up a little bit, wouldn't it? Come on, be all right. This ought to be something you step up to. We're going to a holy place. We're going to a higher place. We're not trying to be like the world. We're not trying to fit in with the world in the world's conversation. We're not trying to fit in with all the little sayings and the cliches and all the things in this world. The standards of this world are going down like the Titanic. The, the, what this world is devolving into, it, it scares those of us that's been around a little while. It scares us down to our core because we realize that America's not what she used to be. And it's little things like I'm preaching about here tonight that's caused us to devolve into those pits. Amen. Well, I'm going to get, I'm shoulder deep. Might as well just go ahead and take an SD plunge. You know, when I was growing up, you put a handle on those names. You know what that is? Maybe that's one of those cliches. I'm, I, God forgive me. You said Mr. And you said Mrs. If you're from the South, you said Mrs. That covers both Miss and Mrs. No, I'm just kidding. You know, you said yes, sir. And you said Yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. It's still good today, isn't it? Praise the Lord. That still works. And when you're around the church, you say, brother. And you say, sister. Not what's up, dog. Amen. <laughs> Woo. 
right off on your toes, aren't I? It's all right. Everybody happy? Amen. Everybody believe I'm preaching the truth tonight? Everybody believe this will make you better? I don't know how I got off on it, but I'm here. Our hands have to do with what we're involved in. Let's be involved in working for God, building up something. Anybody can destroy something. It doesn't take much to be on the demolition crew. But it takes some training. It takes some, it takes some effort. It takes some skill. It takes some talent to be a part of the building up crew. Yeah, that's right. Whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with all your might. If we're going to do this, we need to do it with everything we got. We don't want to be lackluster. We don't want to be half in, half out. Oh, no. Do it with all your might. And then he said, pure hearts. This speaks of our motives. What's our motives? Is it just about our agenda? Is it just about what's comfortable for me and my goals and my fleshly ambition, my advancement, my promotion? Or is it about the kingdom of God being advanced? Praise the Lord. You need to ask yourself that question. I have to ask myself regularly that question. What's best for the kingdom of God? What's best for the church of God? Because technically this is not your church or my church. It's his church. He's the one that bought it with his blood. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say not only pure hearts, but hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity. I've always heard that you could tell a proud man, but you couldn't tell him much. I actually heard that about Texans one time. You can tell a Texan, but you just can't tell him much. I heard that before I moved to Texas. When I got here, I said it wasn't true. <laughs> Amen. It'll sink in. Praise God. Oh, you from Arkansas at least should have said amen. I'm just joking. But that's the truth. Proud man sticks out. And you can tell a proud man, but you can't tell him much. His ego won't let him be corrected. He would rather march on in error than to be corrected. God, help me to have a correctable spirit. A spirit that will get back on track when I need to. Hallelujah. Help me, oh God, not to lift up my soul unto vanity. Help me not to get the attitude that I can't, you know, I'm, a, I'm above being corrected. I'm not, I can't be preached to. Nobody can tell me anything without me having a chip on my shoulder. There, there's folks that you've got to cut a wide swath around them because they've got a chip so big on their shoulder, you can easily knock it off. Amen. That, those kind of folks are hard to pastor. Those kind of folks are hard to be friends to. Amen. Because you've got to be, you, you feel like you're walking on eggshells all the time. I refuse to be like that. Amen. I am what I am. I'm not trying to hurt nobody. I'm trying to help everybody. Amen. I'm trying to pass this church the best of my ability. If the preaching finds its mark, I didn't have your name on a list. I didn't have you on a, on a target board. I wasn't thinking about you when we wrote our notes this afternoon. Matter of fact, about 90% of this I wouldn't plan on preaching tonight. Amen. But the Holy Ghost sometimes leads us down a path. So if you won't hear, if you won't hear it through a man, 
that's, that's God's choice. That's his mouthpiece. That's how he speaks to you. Hallelujah. Somebody said, well, I get all mine directly from God. That's exactly what I'm talking about, lifting up your soul unto vanity. Amen. Because God has helped us through the preaching of the word to help perfect us, the Bible says. That's why he gave us the five-fold ministry, each one of those things, knocking off the rough edges, amen, perfecting us and getting us set like we need to be. Praise the Lord. He said, if you want to go there, you can't have pride. You can't, you can't have an attitude and spirit of pride. The Scripture says that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit. Person gets lifted up in themselves, and God didn't lift them up there. It's a long fall. You know what? I, I uh, first came here. We put up that mission banner up there. We got that lift. Brother Smith and I got it up there on that top step. I believe it was. I don't know how we got the thing up there. We was younger then. Maybe what's wrong with my back now? Got it up there. Run it as high as it go. And I thought, you know, if I was to fall from there, I may end up in the sound booth out there before I got done. A long ways up there. You know, every move I made was calculated at those heights. Amen? Because there's danger associated. I told Brother Joe, I said, Joe, I need you to help me with these lights up there. And I could tell he kind of got nervous. I said, we got a ladder. We got a lift. We can get up there. Well, that's a long ways up there, preacher. It's a long. And I noticed he's working kind of on knees at first and getting his, getting built up, you know, to go up there. But doesn't it seem a little brighter in here tonight because we got some light? Some of you, did you notice that? Got a little brighter in here because we put some Windex on those things and also we changed some lights. We got some new he said there was 16 lights out, and there's still some more that he's working on getting changed. But that's a long ways up there. You think that is a long ways. You get up there. doesn't look like much. It's easy to sit down here and speculate. I remember when those fellas came to help us with the roof, and they said, we, you know, we found, some, we found some damage on the roof. And I said, well, I'd like to go up there and see it. And they leaned that ladder up against the side of the church, and I got up there. Well, I didn't know the wind blew like it blew up there. And I got ready to swing my leg up on church, and I said, you know, I'm going to take y'all's word for it. You guys are the professionals. <laughs> I believe I'll just take your word for it. We'll be looking for the check in the mail. Praise God. <laughs> like, you know what? They get up there. I'm not used to those kind of heights. Amen. you got to be prepared to go there. you got to be prepared to go there. If we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt us in due time, the Scripture says. Praise God. One more thing that he said was a qualification. Nor sworn deceitfully. Nor sworn deceitfully. Praise God. What I take this to mean is we're not deceitful in our communication. We're not saying we're one thing, we're another. Our yea is yea and our nay is nay. Praise the Lord. 
I'm going to tell you, that's something we need to learn in life, is let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Let your word stand. Amen? Be truthful in all things. It's a lot easier to live life that way. Because if you're a liar, you've got to go back and remember all the lies you told to keep it all straight all the time. It's a whole lot easier just to not swear deceitfully, not to say anything deceitfully. Praise God. I don't want to be a deceitful person. I want to go up higher. How about you? I want God to take me to a place that I've never been to in Him. Would you stand with me tonight? I want to go to a greater place in God than I've ever been. Hallelujah.